Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, we are continuing our journey through Genesis 1 through 3. Now we're going to move to chapter 3. Uh, I'll do two things first. Just a reminder that we're not doing a deep dive verse by verse study, but looking at key themes that emerge in these chapters. Let me do a quick review before we start with Genesis 3. We looked at Genesis 1 and 2, two creation stories. The first creation story is the story of the seven days. And I argued that that functions as a kind of liturgy of all these created things processing into God's presence. And, and that part of how this, this text functions is as a, a critique of the surrounding cultures by naming all these entities that the peoples of the ancient Near East that lived around ancient Israel worshipped. And Genesis 1 says, they're all made by God, and they're set in their place and purpose by God, and that the central purpose of these created things in this creation is to create a temple, a place for humanity to meet God, for God to love humanity, and humanity to love God back in worship. And so that the central meaning of our purpose as um, human beings is to serve as priests in God's temple and God's world. Secondarily, we also serve as kings. We're given dominion over all creation. We're kind of priest kings under the kingship of God. And now this side of the ascension under the kingship of Jesus. And so then that chapter culminates with the creation of humanity and we are made in God's image. Only God is uncreated Only God simply exists. Everything else, visible and invisible, that is not God, is created by God. And yet, among all those things, humanity is given this unique place of bearing the image of God, male and female, fully in God's image. Many things that means, part of what it means is, one, we are representatives to God, to the rest of creation, and sharing God's reign over creation and God's priestly ministry. But secondly, we offer all of creation to God in thanksgiving. We receive it as gift. We use it um, in a way that honors God, and we give thanks to God for it. That's really the currency of our relationship with God as humans before sin came into play. Then Genesis 2 is the second story, and it zeroes into the garden. And I said that the garden in the ancient Near East was a temple place. So again, that idea is brought back again. It's zeroed into, and we see the man and the woman side by side as partners sharing in a priesthood in God's garden. And there they walk with God and God walks with them. And we had a parenthetical episode on um, God's creation of marriage and sexuality and gender and how that came before the fall and how it speaks to some of our current cultural realities. And then the last thing I want to say before I say just a couple things about Genesis 3 to kind of open that door for this week um, is note that I'm really not um, addressing the question of how do we understand origins from a paleontological, I think I said that correctly, from paleontology, I know I said that correctly, and biology and DNA studies, etc., Um, and evolutionary theory, how do we compare that to the Bible? Um, There are different ways Christians have have tackled this. Some are what are called young earth creationists, 
And so they just say, all those theories are wrong. Um, you can trace the dating of when God made the world, and it's roughly 7,000 years ago. That's what some Christians say. And through the history of the church, a lot of Christians have held to that because it's sort of a face value way to read the text. But it's not the only way it's been read. There's some who say, you know, the universe is old and the earth is old, and um, there's no reason to doubt um, the things we find through science. Um, but humanity is specifically created, and so we didn't emerge from evolution, sort of maybe old earth creationists. And then there are others who say, hey, the, the biblical story in Genesis 1 and 2 isn't a book of science. It's, it's, it's um, what I called sort of um, um, poetic history. So it's not meant to be taken as science. And so, um, so we can embrace a lot of what science says. But whenever science falls into what some call scientism and says, because it looks like, as we observe biology and DNA and the fossil record, that there's a long descent from less complicated to more complicated beings. Therefore, that just happened all by accident. There's no God. As Christians, we never say that. We'd say, A, God superintended the whole process. God had a purpose in it. And at a certain point, God intervened in that process to create humanity in his image. All three of those positions are held by Christians, and all three are orthodox. So as an, as an Anglican, um, I'm free to hold any of them. I lean into the third position myself. Um, you know, within that position, there's even nuances, but I'm not going to go into all those all those uh, details right now. That's kind of where I fall. Um, I really do believe God is Creator, so I, I can't. I am a creationist because I believe there's a God and God is Creator. Um, but I don't really have a problem with um, evolutionary theory per se in the ancient age of the Earth per se. Um, but I do believe um, God has intervened, and I do believe um, the the things recorded in Genesis 1 and 2 um, are things that really happened in history. I just think they're described in a poetic, um, hi- historical way. Now, just about 30 seconds on Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, the whole story shifts. And this wonderful prologue of this beautiful world all of a sudden has a plot twist that shapes the whole rest of the biblical narrative. And the plot twist is that humanity makes a decision to live independently from God. And in doing that, sin and brokenness come into humanity and all of creation is cursed. We're going to pick that up in the next episode. God bless and have a great day.